This episode of Desperately Seeking Entertainment is brought to you by Palms. Palms is an uplifting comedy about Martha, played by Diane Keaton, a woman who moves into her retirement community and starts cheerleading with her fellow residents, Cheryl, Olive, and Alice, proving that it's never too late to follow your dreams. The film also stars Jackie Weaver, Pam Greer, and Rhea Perlman. Palms, coming out May 10th, only in theaters, from E1 and Sierra Affinity and Styx Films. This episode is really great, folks. I'm not going to lie. I'm really excited. No no teasers, no bumpers, no further words explained. We're just going to take a quick break, play the theme song, and I'm going to be joined by Ben, and we're going to do some really good deep dives into film, television, and more. So... Partner in crime, Brozif, Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's going on? Yo, yo, yo. I am ready to podcast tonight. I'm ready to zippity doo dah all day. I love it. I love it. You're just just bringing it. I love it. I love it. Oh, I'm bringing the heat. I'm bringing the heat. You know, I just read right before we got on the air that, uh, that Song of the South will not be included in the Disney streaming form. So I know you're disappointed. And you want your six dollars a month back? I'm very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Chris. You had the really hot take about being a fan of the pre woke Disney films. So, uh... <laughs> to our to our listeners out there, I hope all of you did get to go on YouTube and watch some racist cartoons last week. It, oh, that's awful. It'll it definitely changes your perspective on some of these companies. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Not They're at awful. all. They're all. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Well, Sorry, ben, I hit, hit you out of the gate. Sorry, that was one of my articles <laughs> right out of the gate <laughs> that it. I just had, and I was like, I just got to pop it right off. Well, Ben, I, I mean, let, let's switch it up today. I usually do all the explaining of what this podcast is about, but you know, why don't you tell the folks what we do here? Okay, so um, desperately seeking entertainment. Uh, Chris and I have different backgrounds in entertainment and a couple shared ones in theater. And we thought the best way to present everything that we love about entertainment and media was to not block ourselves and not do something specific as far as like movies or music or theater and just do an all encompassing podcast. So the format that we have is we, uh, Chris and I, we, we gather five articles each. We don't have any idea what the other one's going to bring, but they're entertainment related. Possibly it could be anything really. We've done, we've done a, a plethora of different topics, but you get our honest live reaction on the air. Sometimes the, the other person brings something that I haven't seen or Chris, or I bring something that Chris hasn't seen. So you get the honest reaction, you get the pre buzz before it goes on the air. And then at the end of the podcast, we go YouTube and we go down our favorite YouTube videos of the week and there are many this week, and there are many articles, so I hope you enjoy the podcast. I hope everyone out there is enjoying. I've gotten – my friends have given me such great feedback, Chris. I don't know about you, about you know what we should do, You know some, some comments about 
how we should expand our horizons and everything. So um, I think we're getting a good flow, Chris, you and I. Yeah. And I think uh, pretty soon we should be ready for some maybe some guest stars or maybe some special episodes about specific movies or specific topics. I think we got a good flow going, dude. Totally. And I also want to make sure I mention that you've got better friends than mine. Because my fr- when I asked my friends, like, hey, did you listen to this podcast? What do you think? They're like, what podcast? And, uh, yeah. So to all of Ben's friends that are listening to this, thank you. You guys are awesome. And uh, again, I would much rather be in your circle than uh, my own. Oh, anyway. that's so sad. <laughs> what a slam on your friends. <laughs> so to my friends who aren't watching, who aren't listening to this, screw you guys. Yeah, go after yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. All right, sir. Well, why don't you why don't you lead us off this week then? Okay, I had an interesting article from uh, Geek Tyrant about the Duffer Brothers, the guys that do Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, they failed to get a plagiarism case tossed out of court and are heading to court next month. So apparently, one of their buddies, Charlie Kessler, who used to be a friend of the Duffer Brothers, has written and directed um, some short films over the years as well as worked on the crew of Netflix Marvel series. Kessler claims in his initial April 2018 filing that he told the Duffer four years ago his idea for the story that is essentially Stranger Things. So they tried to have this suit thrown out. The judge says no, and we are going to court, which could mean a delay for Stranger Things, which could mean a lot for these Duffer brothers who are riding high on this thing. You know what I mean? Uh, Stranger yeah. Things is um, the people's choice and and critics' choice and just kind of like the, the people's sweetheart of Netflix, and this could be very damning for that. So what do you think of that, Chris? Well, I, I had not heard this at all, and and so I'm, this is this is reaction is like holy holy crap! Wild. Yeah, isn't that wild? First of all, because when these plagiarism accusations usually come up, usually they're dismissed by courts of law or things are settled out of court. Like very rarely do you see these things go to trial. So, yeah, like usually creative properties are very right. hard to prove. You know, so mm-hmm. this guy might have something written down or time stamped or something on his computer. You exactly. Know I mean? That's what I'm thinking. There, there's got to be something that might have, you know, substantial proof here, which is why it's going forward. But yeah, you're 100, 100% right. I mean, if this, um, you know, could have some serious you know, ramifications for season, what, season three uh, of I believe uh, so. Stranger Things, which is supposed to come out July 4th. So, yeah. Um, knock on. And apparently, like, I don't know if that's going to be the last season or if they plan on doing more, but. Um, you know, in terms of the financials of this and all that stuff, that that's that's going to be huge. Yeah, and and for what Netflix is, how they just pump out content and you know just want us to subscribe monthly for the bulk content. I think that's what they're going for. It's less about well, there are quality series. I don't want to say non-quality, but a lot of quantity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They try to get as much in your face as possible, and for them to you know let their um, contract lapsed with Marvel and let that go. And now this, it is very interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see what content they're going to be bringing to the forefront in the next couple of years, especially if this one goes, that's going to be huge for subscriptions. Yeah. Huge. I mean, this is, this is their, this is their game of Thrones. If you will, it really is. This is their big series. So yeah, it's going to, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And to be quite honest with you, everything that I've, I've seen like all the trailers for upcoming shows and things like that. Nothing really is getting me amped. Like nothing is like, Ooh, that I think that's going to be really badass. Like, yeah, very few things that I'm seeing that are coming on the way or, or 
Oh, for um, for Netflix. For Netflix, yeah. So like, if this if this one goes by the wayside because of either late legal stuff or this just is the end, then um, yeah, Netflix has got to be hustling. You know, <laughs> they got to hustle. Yeah, yeah, and it was really interesting. I, I came across this article maybe like right after last week's podcast, and I haven't heard anything else about it, which was really interesting. So I don't know if it's the Netflix machine kind of crushing it on the internet or something like that, but. Man, it, it it should be there, and this is this would be a devastating blow. This would be huge. Mm, huge, you know, because when you watch Stranger Things, you see these talented young actors and actresses. Um, you know, the the girl that plays Eleven is going to be in the new Godzilla movie, and all these other actors that are coming back, like Winona Ryder, Sean Astin. It's it's kind of this big vehicle, and you know, and for it to potentially dies like this, that would be devastating for Netflix and the show and all these actors and actresses that really are jumping off from the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's just, it's also when, when you talk about like this new wave of content and binge watching and things like that, you know, there are some series where you binge watch and it, it can become exhausting. You know, it's like, okay, like let's, let's get this thing going. But with stranger things, it's like you are just locked in from start to finish. And it's rare to find those types of shows. So yeah, I've got high hopes for season three. I, I've always said like with this with a series like this it needs to be I think a limited run like you can't let this thing go stale so like if if season three is it then then so be it like I think that's great you know like yeah no I, I'm this this makes me nervous man this makes me nervous yeah yeah I read this article and I was and it 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 took me aback I was just like wow like Crazy. this this article shocked me so that's my first one out of the gates man that's a that's a big one out of the gates. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to stay in the realm of TV. Okay. I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch around my order a little bit. So, warning to all you listening to this right now, I'm about to talk about Game of Thrones. And um, oh, okay. I, was, I thought you were going to say Avengers because I was about to, <laughs> to take off on you. Um, I want to talk about Game of Thrones for a second. So, for those of you who put your earmuffs on, you know, skip ahead uh, and whatnot. I'll put I'll put the time thing here so this way you know if you want to avoid spoilers and things like that you can so did you did you watch game of thrones this back past weekend of course of course like how could you not um a couple things about this episode that that stood out to me because these are these are now events okay all right what do you got first of all i had a very similar experience watching this episode as i did watching the fellowship of the ring where this is gonna sound weird where as I'm getting toward into this movie and as it's getting, you know, progressively, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. Oh my God. Oh my God. I I looked at the timestamp and I realized with Game of Thrones, oh, there's only 15 minutes left. So <laughs> I'm not going to get any of this battle this week. <laughs> so like, it was like, it was. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 I, I, I had a little bit of that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, when I compared it to Fellowship of the Ring, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing, amazing. Oh, wait, it's been two and a half hours. They can't possibly keep going. Um, there's going to be a second movie and I have to wait. So again, that, that whole thing of like building and building and building, genius move on their part with this episode, just completely setting the table for for what I think will probably be one of the most, if not the most important episode of Game of Thrones um, next week. I just cannot, cannot wait for that episode. But what I wanted to bring up was we we got to see – Aria this week and that that sex scene with uh that that happened yeah. kind of smack dab in the middle of the episode and if you if you saw the spike on the internet you can actually search this 
at that exact moment, like half the internet went and just double checked Maisie Williams' age real quick. They're like, wait, <laughs> wait, how old is she? Um, and she it turns out she's 22. So it was, everything was fine. But um, what was hilarious, and I don't know if you felt the same way, as I'm watching this scene, I actually vocally said, no, no, don't do it. <laughs> no, put your clothes back on. Wow. It's <laughs> like, I was actually getting, <laughs> and I was actually getting mad because I was like, you know what? And it was weird for me to react that way because I've like I've I've seen this girl since she was what nine, and you know you know basically seen her grow on this show and it's like you almost kind of feel that that kinship with her where it's like no that's stop that you know like type of deal but I don't know it was it was a very weird moment to watch a sex scene happen with that character that we've kind of grown up with since she was a little kid but yeah how did you react to all this? Yeah, you know what's really interesting, Chris, is I had the exact opposite reaction. Whoa! <laughs> like literally. <laughs> like I literally uh, audibly out loud, like just like you, I think, uh, yeah, the kiddo was down. I'm, I'm watching GOT and I literally said, Hey, you know what? Good for you. <laughs> Good for this actress. <laughs> you know what? She's been sitting on the sidelines all these years. Let's yep. get into the sex thing. I want to get naked. Let's get crazy. And I just Let's thought, yeah, you know what I mean? Like I just kind of maybe good for you as far as the actress, maybe not as far as the character. But I thought the character herself, you know, we have all these characters sitting together like Brienne and the wildling, uh, the big wildling guy. I can't think. I don't know his name. Uh, he <laughs> yeah. was fantastic. That actor is just killing it. Um, but we have all these people that are, should be hooking up before the night of battle. And you know what? Why not? Why not have at least one sex scene before this? The show has been filled with sex. And here we are have Tyrion, who is just the sex meister of, you know, at least the first couple seasons talking about how he used to be a whoremonger and all that stuff. And you know what, I, Chris, I had this, the exact opposite reaction. And it, it, you know, I did in the back of my mind, I go, yeah, I guess we have seen this girl pre, you know, underage until this point, but you know what? I don't know. What's a little side boob going to hurt. I don't know. Right. <laughs> doesn't hurt. Side boob doesn't hurt anybody. Right. <laughs> No, I just, I thought it was just such an interesting episode. And, you know, up until that point, I mean, she's just like, she, she's throwing knives, she's shooting arrows at bullseyes. I'm like, good Lord, this woman's badass. And, uh, and there was just that moment of like, and I, and the, to be quite honest, I saw it coming too. I mean, you, you, it's all over the Oh, episode. yeah. Well, and, of course. Of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're foreshadowing that for a couple episodes. Yeah. 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 Totally. And so, uh, but still, it's like, oh, man, like, my little girl's grown up. Like, it's like one of those like, like, oh, gosh. Well, you know what? You know what was interesting? You know, Chris, I think this was an important sex scene because in the show, because for most part, besides Cersei Lannister, we've had a lot of, you know, prostitutes. We've had a lot of women, women being used by men in the show, you know, especially mm -hmm. uh, Tyrion or Littlefinger, you know, so be it. And just being kind of thrown around like Ramsey Bolton and all this stuff. And really our only woman that has, you know, been powerful with her sex scenes has been the Red Witch and Cersei Lannister. And I thought it was yeah. great for us to have a Stark woman be, you know, strong, you know, be able to kick some ass and be able to tell a man we're going to have sex right now. And I thought it was kind of empowering. I don't know, that, that's kind of the yeah. thoughts that I had. It was kind of like a cool little thing. And I don't know if they meant to do that, but I thought that... 
you know, having seen, I'm, I'm thinking of the first couple seasons where Tyrion's just tearing up Westeros, <laughs> tearing up all of, you know, all of the, the prostitute brothels in all this land. And, you know, to see the strong female character kind of take the reins on a relationship and say, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to kill some dead things and we're going to have sex tonight. You know, I thought it was great. Yeah. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> good for her. <laughs> it was just one of those like, oh man, but you know, it's, it's. Again, like yesterday's episode or last week's episode, it just further illustrates the brilliance of how this whole show has been put together because – Oh, yeah. It, and it's funny how like you know you mentioned it before, but we've got the Avengers coming out next weekend. But this was kind of – this is kind of like an Avengers-esque thing where you've got all these people that have been separate from one another for the entire run of the show and they're all together now fighting pretty much alongside one another and – it's it's going to be great, and my gosh, like you know, when you start thinking about, you know, you're battling the White Walkers, you're you're battling, you know, um, these these creatures that can raise the dead, and then you start to think, oh my gosh, like all the people are trying to keep safe in the crypt, and he can just basically raise everybody who's in the crypt, so no one's safe, and it's like, oh my god, like it just this, the possibilities of this show and what what could happen next week are just off the charts for me. Yeah, I, I think you totally nailed it. It's almost like if the Avengers – well, the Avengers all did start in different stories and almost like in a comic book, they had the crossover. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Avengers or like Secret Wars or House of M, they have all these characters kind of come together where you can kind of see them all converge. And I think that was kind of the fun of this week's episode where – a lot of people might dismiss it as a throwaway episode. Oh, we didn't get any fighting. Oh, we didn't, you know, oh, you know, it was kind of a tease for next week. I, I heard people say that and I disagree. I think we've been waiting so long. If you t- if you just sat there and binge watched the whole show, I-, I say that you have been waiting so long for all these characters to reunite. And I'm so glad they took two full episodes for all of them to talk it out and talk about their differences and talk about it. We, we've been waiting so long for that. Like literally there was a couple episodes where like Bran is in a tower and Arya is like right outside and they don't hook up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, it's so frustrating. You're like, Oh my God, they're right there. Just say, Hey, we're in here. Like there's so many episodes like that where it was so great for all of them to converge. And yeah, the show, I think you're, you're, you're a thousand percent correct where you say the show is brilliant in the sense that, we don't need fighting to be captivated. We can be captivated mm-hmm. in different ways, and they know that. They know how to kind of pull us a little, but we don't feel used or cheated. We don't feel like, oh, that was a waste of an episode. I think they're they're really – it's a shame. I mean this show has been on a stride the whole time. I, I, I just think that they're operating at this level. I think it's going to end well. If You know what I mean? It's, it's, I don't think there's going to be like a letdown. I think we're just going to keep rocking and rolling. I don't know, dude. I'm excited for the end of the show. Totally. And one one short story for you for those. So for those of you out there who are who have no experience with Game of Thrones prior to this and are binge watching the entire series to get to this point, and are like, man, I can't wait for next week's show. Like, screw you guys. Like, we've been waiting eight years for this, <laughs> you know, twelve years. It reminds me of when I went to go see um, the Two Towers, Lord of the Rings. Uh, right before that, a, a group of my friends we watched Fellowship. For you know, and a couple of these people watched Fellowship for the first time, and they were like, "Oh wow, that was a great movie! I can't wait to now leave an hour later to go see, you know, Two Towers instead of waiting a year like everybody else did." Oh. So their perspective oh, was much different of anticipation than mine. And I just remember 
saying with him, like, you know, screw you. Like, I, I had to wait a whole year for this, man. Um, so, yeah, again, I think it's just one of those shows that's just these, – these are events now. Like, every week is just an event. So Yeah, and uh, we, we talked last week how this is, might be the end of waiting a week for an episode, yeah. you know, besides HBO. You know, when Game of Thrones is off, you know, they're, they're trying to prep a lot of things um, right now on HBO, but uh, nothing will meet this – no. craziness about waiting a week definitely you not. know definitely not so all right sir what else you got all right well speaking of uh, I'm gonna transition right to my next piece we're gonna keep going with tv this week oh so game of thrones was great this week but also um the trailers right before were great um there was a big old um chris how do you watch game of thrones do you watch it live or do you watch it like kind of dvr'd well this is the best part so i've got hbo now yeah, uh, which is yep. So it's they basically throw it up on screen at nine p.m. on Sundays. Look, so as the broadcast is starting on HBO, I can watch it on the streaming network side. So um, I guess you could say I watch it live. Yeah. Okay. D- did you get a little extended preview of everything coming up on HBO right before? I saw I I I saw the trailer, but from a distance because I was grabbing like my my snacks and cokes and things like that, so I didn't get to see the whole thing. No. Okay, so I don't know if you've seen all these trailers, but some of the trailers for HBO. So you know, you're just saying that um, you are not excited for anything that really Netflix is coming out with. You know what I mean? Right. I was very excited for the trailers right before this HBO or right before Game of Thrones. There was the Watchmen trailer. Yep. So there was like this extended little preview. They showed the uh, Rorschach that character, and then they showed the Deadwood movie trailer, which looks phenomenal. Timothy yeah. Oliphant, man. I'm a, such a sucker. There's some actors out there I'm such a sucker for. I mean, Justified was a great show. The movie Go is a great movie. Anything that Timothy Oliphant is is in, I'm I'm just all in. Um, that looks fantastic. Um, and then also Succession is coming back. And then there's a – I believe it's a movie or a short miniseries called Chernobyl that's coming out. And that looks phenomenal. Is that – is that like a scripted drama or a documentary? Scripted drama. Okay. All right. I'm in. Yeah. About <laughs> the Chernobyl, of course, about the Chernobyl disaster. And they had this kind of behind the scenes little trailer about the making of it and how they've been building these sets. And it yes. just looks fascinating. And it's a topic really that hasn't been covered in a movie or miniseries. I, I can't believe that. So it's really going to be fascinating just to watch i think it's gonna be a great watch so i was just wondering if you were excited for any of those i don't know if you're a deadwood fan or a watchman fan what, what's your what's your take on that huge watchman fan still i've read cover to cover very few graphic novels in my lifetime and watchman is one of them and i've read it probably once a year every year honestly and massively disappointed with the movie <laughs> like right massively disappointed screw you Zack snyder um <laughs> But uh, I I just – it's one of those properties where it's like you could do so much with it and I have no idea what you're going to do with it. But I'm I'm, I'm in for the ride. Uh, I'm also – yeah, I'm not a huge – I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge Deadwood fan just because I haven't had a lot of experience with it. I've seen a couple of episodes here and I really do need to sit down and watch the whole thing, uh, which I definitely plan on doing before the movie comes out. But the other one that I'm really excited about too is uh, His Dark Materials. Which oh. is coming out as well. Um, What's that one? That's like that that kind of future, like um, kind of science fiction, fantasy looking show. 
they showed a couple clips of it. Um, Lin Manuel Miranda's in it, actually. Oh, okay, that's yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. You saw his okay. face. And you're like, that's yes, 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 yes. I wasn't sure what that was. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's what I'm really excited about um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, I think, I think if the existence of Netflix and Hulu and now Disney streaming um, network forces HBO to to try to you know be bold and 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 do really good programming to compete. Hey, we we win. <laughs> it's like we 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 enjoy the fruits of those of those labors. So um, I'm all for it. And, and HBO, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. They rarely miss when it comes to stuff. So right, even the shows that I'm not watching, and someone's like, you should check the show out. And when I do, like my coworker said, you need to check out Succession, and I did, and it was great. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, there's shows that are out there that I don't really watch. Uh, religiously, but man, they're they're great. Anytime I check, them I kind of had the same experience with like Carnival, where I was like, everybody's like, yeah. oh yeah, like oh you should really get on this. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll get to it and get to it. Saw two episodes back to back, and I was like, holy crap, like this is really good. And um, they just like HBO just has this knack for picking and developing good stuff. So I I trust their judgment, and um, I'm not a big like the, that Big Little Lies show. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not into it, but my wife is, and so she's like, you know, amped up for that too. So, um, yeah, they're 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 just clicking on all cylinders right now. I love it. Yeah, and I like how, um, you know, when these streaming services and network television started fading out, and you know, uh, video rental places went away, there was this period of ten. 15 years where you were in limbo. Like I remember the first time my, my buddies came over, I believe it was like the month that Netflix started streaming on their website. And we hooked in at the time I had this laptop with an S video cord that hooked into my TV. If anyone knows what that is. And I remember streaming like a couple movies. So, I mean, that must've been 2007. So since then, you know, we've been in this, in this limbo state where just anarchy rules. You know, you could bootleg anything off the internet. You could you can stream any uh, sporting event. And I love how now it's almost like converging back to the big three networks again. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's not NBC, yep. ABC, CBS. And now it is, you know, Hulu, Netflix, HBO. You know, the, yeah. now it, or Amazon. Now it's these big three who are kind of now you have to pay for this. And it's almost like it's it's almost like we're going back to the way we were. You know, when you look at your Internet bill and you kind of lump together your Netflix bill and, you know, oh, I'm paying for the Showtime channel and I'm paying for this HBO channel. You're almost back to cable again. It's really interesting how we've kind of gotten away from, you know, all right, where I'm, I'm cutting the cord, getting rid of cable. But now I'm back to this. And of course, cable companies are going to catch on and jack up our internet our internet any second so it's really interesting to see what the future of how we pay for these services is going to go yeah no you're 100 percent right and you know it's just it's it's just i think it's great i think competition's a good thing and when you've got all these networks competing against one another they're going to be driving for content it's it, you know from a from a employment standpoint i mean it's great for actors because it's just demand for contents out there so there's more jobs available um great for writers because we're gonna have you know brand new writing and demand for writing i mean netflix is greenlighting everything so you know right. it's like you know i think not netflix but hbo just announced a brand new series today i don't know if you heard this but like it's the same guy who created veep and he's gonna create like this uh sci-fi tourism show 
starring uh Hugh Laurie. Okay. And and I'm like, all right, I'm in. Like like yeah, great. <laughs> Let's do it. Um so yeah, no, I just I think it's just a great it's a great time for television. And yeah, and and I don't know if you feel it down there, Chris, in Connecticut, um, but up here in Central New York and New York, I, studios are popping up left and right, even in Little Central New York. Mm. Uh, Ron Perlman had a film company up here, uh, Wing and a Prayer, and I was a, an extra in a couple of those. And I'm in a movie still to be released sometime this year too. And people are filming. People are on Facebook groups saying, "Hey, wanted actors wanted." And, you know, one of the movies that I was an extra in um, went right to Netflix, straight to Netflix and all these movies that you can just star in as an actor. You know, I'm thinking back to when I got out of college and, you know, it was still that mentality of New York City or Los Angeles. Yeah. And now we're finally in this age where, no, you can live anywhere and you could be either a YouTube star or you can star in a movie that's being filmed and hopefully going right to Netflix. I mean, that's the, the pinnacle of an indie film. Imagine filming this thing and it just gets bought for your budget and everyone exactly. gets paid. You know what exactly. I mean? And, and, and I, these are paying gigs that I mean up in central New York. It's, it's crazy. And I don't know if crazy. you feel that down in Connecticut. Do you, do you have that going on down there? Well, no, we, we, no, because unfortunately Connecticut's taxes are so high that the film companies won't film. Here. So, right. Uh, we, we had a brief moment in like, 2006 to 2008 where the taxes were low enough where you started to see some companies coming in like i don't know if you if you saw that that al pacino um robert de niro film righteous kill but they filmed it in milford oh yeah i um, saw a little bit of that yeah 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 they filmed like part of it in milford so that was like a big deal and then of course it just went away because connecticut just can't help themselves when it comes to taxes but um i work in i live in connecticut but i actually work in georgia and Georgia is now the number one filming location in the country. They've basically made it, you know, practically free for companies to film there. And you know, Netflix just signed a deal with the state of Georgia that all of their American-based programming will be filmed in Georgia for the next six years. Wow, that's huge! That's so, huge. You know, I've got all these actor friends, you know, who live in New York City who've been struggling for years, and they're flocking to Atlanta. They're flocking to Savannah because that's where the work is, and they're getting cast like crazy right now. And um, yeah, people are looking for talent like crazy. They crazy. really are. I mean, a friend of mine said that it feels like you're in like the you know the 1920s Hollywood, where it's like I'm going to get off the train and be a star, and like that's actually happening in Georgia and in in places like Central New York, and uh, even Michigan is starting to kind of come back uh, in in their film industry. So yeah, this this these streaming networks, you know, as much as people want to like rag on it and say it's going to change how we watch movies and consume entertainment, I mean, it is it is definitely creating a, a whole slew of, of amazing opportunities for for creative talent you know on the crew side on the, the acting side so i'm all i'm all for it yeah like that that's a that's another thing like the crew side like i was involved with um last year was crazy uh i was involved with three movies last year like back to back to back and we were filming on state-of-the-art 4k crazy cameras like you can see every you know, sleep line and crow's foot on your face kind of cameras. I was like, oh, all right, I need to put some more makeup on. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, just state of the art shit. And like, yeah, we're filming in 4K today. And I'm like, whoa, like it, it just blows me away that we're on this small film and we have makeup, we have prosthetics, we have all this stuff. And the crew was professional. The actors were pro. Everyone knew their lines. 
it's just great and refreshing to see that. And, and, and even the people, because Chris, I know you've been on like theater sets and, and movie sets where, you know, if you have like one kind of union actor, like everyone's like, all right, I got to step up my game. We got a union person on this guy knows what he's doing. But when you have this, um, when you have a whole cast with really good actors, I remember there was this one guy on, on the last movie I was on, it was his first movie. You know what I mean? He just got cast cause he looked good. You know, he had like a couple lines, but, and he was really excited. You know what I mean? It just brought this level of excitement to his performance and everyone's performance on set. And he was just so grateful. Like he went up and shook everyone's hand. He was like, oh man, thank you so much. And I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm so glad you had a good experience for your first movie. And he really pursued it. Like he went off, I think he moved to like Colorado to go pursue more stuff. Nice. Um, and, but you know what I mean? Like when you have that level of talent and, and people are getting cast, that that's the thing. When you get cast in multiple things, you get better. Yeah. When you get when you get this part and this part and this part, if it's your first time and you get three parts in a row in, in 2018, 2019, you're going to come back strong and know what you're expected to do, like know how to like memorize lines. It's it's kind of awesome. It's, it's yeah. like you said, it's 1920s Hollywood. We're in the golden age again, and it's great to be around here. And I've heard stories about why Central New York is kind of blossoming. I, and this might be some, you know, set gossip I heard. I heard this rule, and I don't know if this is true. I've never Googled it, but I'm just going to say it on the podcast. So I heard a story that there was this horrific car accident, maybe like 2010, 2011, in New York City on a movie set where like four people died or something like that. And now you can't drive over 35 on a movie set when you're filming anymore in New York City. That I don't know, but it makes sense. Okay, and and so one of the one of the crew members on the movie I was on, and the director said this to me, and I was like, "Why are we filming up here? Like, why are you guys up here? Like, because a lot of them were from New York City, and they said because we have a lot of driving in this movie. There's actually some scenes where bikers are driving alongside a car, and they said this would be impossible to film New York City, Westchester County, like right around there. Said it would be impossible." to film because of that law. Like when you're on a movie set, you can't drive over 35 miles per hour. We're up here. We can do anything, you know, in central New York, we have fields and cows and <laughs> long highways. <laughs> and so they, you know, they pretty much just got permission from like a blanket permission from a mayor or something or wh- whatever have you. And just said, all right, we can film here and just did it. And so that was an interesting thing. And that's why all these crews are coming up here. And of course, like you said, the taxes are cheap up here as opposed to Connecticut or somewhere near New York City. You know, to your point, I think you're 100% right because uh, the production of John Wick 3 um, predominantly was done in New York City. But I believe a lot of the action sequences were shot in uh, Toronto. And because of the, I think because of that, I mean, that, that scene where he's like, you can see in the trailer, he's like on the motorcycle and he's chopping guys off. Yeah, it looks heads great. Off with it looks great. <laughs> um, you know, definitely probably above 35 miles per hour there. Um, so yeah, that, that, I think that's probably an actual rule. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. But that, I think that makes sense. You know, it, it I mean, you can't really film high speed chasings in New York city. The traffic just doesn't allow it. The, the streets are too narrow to begin with. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was the director and the crew telling me that story. And I thought that was really interesting. And it, it all kind of made sense. And it's funny you say that because a lot of the crew 
worked on John Wick 2 when I was filming. Oh, nice. Uh, this was maybe two or three years ago. Yeah, maybe two or three years ago when I was on set in, uh, in East Syracuse. Pretty wild. That is crazy. That's awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. My next pick. I'm going to stay in the realm of film as well. I don't know if you saw this, but I think it was either yesterday or, or today or maybe the day before. Uh, a new trailer was released for a brand new Will Smith movie called Gemini Man. Did you see this trailer? Yes. Okay. So it's directed by Ang Lee, who I'm like, all right, anything he directs, I'm 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 in for. Um, I don't know except th- for the uh, the Hulk. Oh yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, I was, <laughs> Sorry, I, was I was in for it at the time, and then I realized <laughs> halfway through what is happening. But um, yeah, yeah. Did, did your eyes start burning like Ewoks in uh, <laughs> Raiders I, I, of the Lost Ark? <laughs> yeah, I mean, gosh, to the point. Yeah, no, that that's a bad movie. We <laughs> Sorry, I derailed ooh, you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm, I'm triggered. Um, no, <laughs> you know, uh, honestly, like, so this movie, it, it, it looks like it kind of reminded me of Looper in a way where, okay. Will Smith is basically fighting a younger version of himself, but they don't know why. But what they did was they, they, Will Smith filmed both parts and then they used digital de-aging to make him look basically like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air era Will Smith. And excellent. Usually excellent. Sometimes like this de-aging stuff it works and it doesn't work. And lately it's been working. Like Captain Marvel, Samuel L. Jackson looks phenomenal. Like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Kurt Russell looks amazing. Um Will Smith looked really good in this movie. Like in terms of of how good that de-aging looks like. So I'm I'm wondering since we're now at this point where technology is this good, does, is this going to be able to, I mean, is this, is this the new norm? Like if we just want, you know, Will Smith, but we, but man, wouldn't it be great if Will Smith was just, you know, 20 years younger for this role? Heck, let's just do it. <laughs> like, let's just do it. Um, is this the new norm? I guess. I think so. I mean, this is what I was talking about when I saw Captain Marvel and my, the, my favorite part of that movie was Samuel Jackson, like 1996 Samuel Jackson looking exactly like him. And I think that this hopefully will open up people's creative juices. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think when we listen to other podcasts or reviewers about, you know, who would have been great in this role? Who would have been like the peak performance? Who, who would have, have you cast in this role? And now we can do it as long as the person's voice sounds pretty close. But even then you can mess with someone's voice to make them sound younger. So Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, and and again, this makes me wonder about, you know, does, is this going to impact how actors look in films nowadays? Like, you know, how much work, how much, you know, that whole thing in the 80s, 90s where it's like you got to have, get, gotta get Botox, you got to get plastic surgery. Well, do I really need to anymore if we could just remove that in post-production, like in visual effects? Right. Um, it's it's going to be crazy. And another fear I have with this, all this digital development is this, is this also going to, and we, you know, we talked about crews earlier. Is this going to negatively impact makeup artists? And. Oh, um, of course. I mean, of course. I mean, you can already see that phased out. I mean, you can already see when someone color corrects a film, they're doing that to make it pop a little higher, you yeah. know, pop a little hotter, the set, the face, the, the makeup and everything. 
And so you don't have to work as hard on someone's face. I mean, we've, we've been beyond that since Hitchcock. You know what I mean? We've been beyond that since, you know, Bugs Bunny using the giant like powder cakes of clown white on someone's face. <laughs> We're beyond that. You yeah. know what I mean? Our, our filming is so well. Like I'm sitting here looking at an ultra 4K camera on my phone right now, Chris, you know, that I could film right now. And if I had the right technology on this computer that I'm speaking to you on, I could film my own movie that is color corrected, that has special effects, that has everything. You know what I mean? I can take my head and and track it and make Jar Jar Binks's head up right on top of it. So <laughs> I think we're getting away from makeup like totally. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's it's just it's it's interesting to see how all this is just changing these industries left and right. So um and I'm all for it. I mean, I think we have to evolve. Like that's just it's natural. It's it's part of how these things happen, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's jarring that it's happening. We're at that point where it's happening now. Like it's like, we're seeing that yeah. you know, transition. So. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like how we, we thought the future was going to be flying cars. <laughs> yeah, right. And before we get flying cars, we're going to perfect seeing them on film. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have perfected uh, the flying car. Oh, really? On film. On film. <laughs> <laughs> right. When you see this flying car in this movie, it's it's rad. It's, <laughs> it's amazing, it's yeah. crazy. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, sir. What else you got? Um, so let's switch it up a little. Um, I want this is my third, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about. So this happened maybe late last week when Rob Gronkowski he left his mark on the Lombardi <laughs> Trophy. Do you know about this? I saw that. Yeah, so, I saw the video. To remind everyone, uh, Rob Gronkowski, um, a.k.a. the Beer Golem, a.k.a. the Walking Bacardi Handle from Deadspin.com, um, <laughs> or uh, a.k.a. the Sentient Bottle of Muscle Milk, uh, <laughs> he brought the uh, Lombardi Trophy to, I believe it was the Sox Stadium opener, their uh, – their home opener and Patriots mm -hmm. day to celebrate Patriots day and, you know, being a Boston strong and everything. And I believe the story goes <laughs> that they had this pseudo mock-up like him and a couple of players were doing this kind of fun play around catch game where like someone was taking batting practice practice in front of the Lombardi trophy and someone dented <laughs> the Lombardi trophy with one of the balls. And I believe that man was, Rob Gronkowski. So, um, Chris, what are your thoughts on the Gronk and his retirement and everything? I just, yeah, that's a loaded question, but go ahead. It's <laughs> a loaded question. I'll put it this way. <clears throat> I'm a Jets fan. Like, I, let's just get that out of the way. Um, it's, yeah, I'm a weird sports fan. I'm Boston, everything except for the Jets. But the reason I chose the Jets is because of my Boston fandom. If that makes sense. Um, I basically said, you know what, if, if I'm going to cheer for a team, I got to make it a team that has not won for a while. And uh, that was the Jets. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't hop on the, the Patriots bandwagon. So from a Jets fan perspective, Gronkowski is one of those players that I, I can't stand. And yet I, I wish to all hell he was on my team. <laughs> if that makes sense. I mean, he, he is in my mind, the greatest tight end of all time. No doubt. De definitely the best, greatest pass catching tight end of all time. Uh, he's also, you know, just a big oaf, which I, I guess I definitely respect and appreciate his his personality and and his exuberance for life, so to speak. 
And, and at the same time, it's like the other things I respect from him, about him are his business acumen. Did you ever hear about his, his contract that he did, like his, the, what he does with money? Have you ever heard of this? No. So no. The, this is what he did. And, and genius. He basically, all the money that he spends on his house, on his cars, on his lifestyle and stuff like that, all comes from his endorsement deals. Like that's what he spends his money on. And what he does with all of his contract money is he hasn't spent a dime of it. He puts it in a savings account that he can't touch. So if let's say he made $120 million over the course of his career in his contract, that's just sitting in a bank account someplace. Like he hasn't touched that money. And I'm like, holy crap, like that's ridiculous. And so like just business acumen, I'm like, wow, like good for you, man. Um, he's He's just one of those guys that like, and I guess, you know, we talked about, you know, the Mike Tyson zone and we talked about the cage zone. There's a Gronk zone. Like, like, yeah, if you yeah, told totally. me like Gronk's gonna, Gronk's gonna, you know, free solo, uh, Mount Everest. Okay. Like, <laughs> I, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm pay per view. All right. Well, how much is it? Sponsored by Red Bull. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it'll probably be on the internet. Right. I'll check it Gronk, out. Gronk signed with the WWE. Like, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's guy. Well, have you been speculating that that's going to happen? I think it's going to happen. I think it is uh, too. Yeah. It, it has to. Um, but yeah, no, he's just, he's a guy. And it, but you know, the thing that killed, like he's in that class with guys that, again, like I hate, but I wish they were on my team. And you kind of like, you hate him because he killed your team, but you love him at the same time. Like he's up there with Jeter. He's up there with Kobe. I mean, he's just these guys that are just like, ugh, like, but they're so cool. <laughs> like, I just want to hang out with them. <laughs> like, I want to be like, you know, the, if you watch how his family interacts with one another, it's like, I just want to be a, I want to be a Kronkowski for a day just to see what that would be like. I don't think I'd make it to noon, but um, you know, it it's just crazy. Crazy. I just love how I, I, I love how this story came out about him denting the Lombardi trophy and any other player. Oh my God. Imagine if Brady did this, <laughs> my God, the blowback would be, you know, uh, if you're not a Patriots fan, you know, you do not like Tom Brady to say the least, right. to put it in, in nice terms. And if Tom Brady dented the Lombardi trophy, people would be on the streets rioting, especially near Buffalo bills territory or at jets nation. <laughs> or, like oh my God. How dare you, sir? How dare yeah. you? Yes. But it, since it's Gronk, like you kind of just go, eh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, believe that happened. Oh, whatever. He's retiring. Who cares? Let him have his fun. And in the Gronk, <laughs> it's a Gronk zone. Um, it, the Gronk zone is not only believing that he would do that, but also being kind of like okay with it. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like you know, like um, <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, no, it's Gronk being Gronk. Oh yeah, he like like he like. I don't know. He rode this giant Lombardi trophy while like ripping a beer bong and, you know, blowing like a, a Bacardi 151 shot into a fireball into the crowd and lit someone's woman, like woman's hair on fire. Be like, yeah, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> you know, good times. That's, that's my, you do crowd. you, man. You do you. It's yeah. like, it's, it's like, you know, remember with, with the Red Sox, it was like Manny, Manny being Manny. Um, right. But this is like Manny being Manny on steroids. Like it's like, yes, it is. And, um, like, <laughs> I think, I think it's, I, I don't, it might be, it might've been action or something else where Gronk popped up on like an endorsement for something that was like so far removed from what you would expect him to be endorsing. And like, let's say it was like, you know, 
like a like a tire store in you know Oklahoma or something like that. Like come on down to Jack's Tires. It felt like that, and I was like, yeah, of course you would endorse something like that. Of course you would do a commercial <laughs> for them. Again, he's just he's such a he's such a character. And did you see Brady's reaction to that? By the way, the 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 dent. No, so, no, I didn't actually. He, he responded on Twitter because they said like with a baseball swing. He's like, they showed the video. He's like, that's a solid bunt. <laughs> that was Brady's response. It's a solid bunt. And by the way, I, I also great. don't believe that Kronk's permanently retired for in a heartbeat. Like we'll, we'll see. Oh, him. We'll really? See, oh yeah. We'll see him in November. Like we'll see him after Thanksgiving. <laughs> like, Brady's Are call you serious? Him. Like playoffs? Oh like, yeah. Someone will pay him. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. If, I mean, if this, if the, if the Patriots are, let's say like they're, you know, eight and five or like, you know, nine and four, like right in that range. And they really do need a couple wins just to kind of close things out. And they're going to make a deep playoff run. Like all Brady has to do is call Gronk and be like, Hey, I need you for like six weeks. Are you in? Like, of course. <laughs> like, And of course I when I never even thought of that, but I, I mean, just the damage that his body has taken. I don't know if he's willing to do that. I mean, he's, the, I don't know, but he's 29. Like that's the thing that kills me. Like he's 29 years old. Or yeah, I think he's twenty nine or thirty years. Yeah, old. no, he, you're right. Yeah, and you know he's gonna have basically almost like you know almost a full year or more off from like you know football level activity. So if I'm Gronk and and you know and Brady calls me week twelve, week thirteen, it's like only five games or four games you have to play plus the playoffs. Like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so if I read if I read after Thanksgiving weekend on Black Friday or something like, hey, Gronk's gonna sign for the Patriots, okay. <laughs> like I believe it and and damn it, because they're gonna probably go to the Super Bowl again. So shit. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, he's 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 just a character. And 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 you know, I, I there's I don't know if I want to go into this realm of thinking, but there's a lot of people out there that I've read a lot of articles where like if with the antics that you see from Gronk, if he was black, like, would oh. he be, would he, would we be, uh, you know, like, oh, there's Gronk being Gronk, or would we be like, wow, there's a player being selfish and making it all about him and, you know, stuff like that. Cause, you know, we do see kind of outlandish behavior from, you know, other players that do happen to be black and they, they catch a lot of flack for that. But I don't know. Like, I, I think, I don't know. I don't know if that's an interesting point I've never heard before. I don't. I don't know if we're. I've I've read a couple articles about that where if like Gronk was black, we would not put up with his antics and things like that. And I'm like, I don't know if I. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like we've seen the movie Animal House enough to know, like why things are funny. I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, I mean, that's why we think. Ah, who cares? Like, you know what? It's 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 you know what? Because in this day and age of celebrities extra ultra famous celebrities with tons of money doing awful shit. And I'm thinking of, you know, especially people in the NFL, like, you know, murdering someone or, you know, beating women in an elevator. Rape, right. Raping. Someone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hey, let the guy get hit in the head with a Bud Light during the Boston parade after the celebration. I mean, <laughs> you know, let him go on the tonight show and tell some goofy stories about that. I, I don't see any harm about that. I don't know. No, no harm, no foul. All right. So for my next pick, um, this was actually an interesting story. These are this. I kind of took two stories and kind of combined them together because they both seemed kind of outrageous to me. But I don't know if you read this week, but um, someone bought a, a at an auction a set list written a Queen set list written by Freddie Mercury himself before a concert 
it's all it is is just like a list of songs, like as bands do, like they they write down their set list uh, with a couple of notes here and there. It sold for thirty five thousand dollars at an auction because it was written by Freddie Mercury. His autograph doesn't appear on it. Um, it's literally just someone writing songs, Queen songs in a row. My question for you, and uh, oh, I, before I get to that, earlier in the week, uh, the Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay, who has not been not doesn't have a reputation for making a lot of good judgment calls, um, bought John Lennon's piano, which he apparently wrote Imagine on, for $718,000. So my question to you is, yeah, when it comes to certain memorabilia like this, I know that if we were billionaires and millionaires and money really isn't an option, we could really spend it on anything you want, but could you ever imagine spending $35,000 on a, on a queen set list? Um, I don't know, Chris, <laughs> if I had the money, <laughs> I, I mean, are you talking about like from a speculation standpoint, like this thing could make money? <laughs> I mean, just like, is it worth it? Like, <laughs> I mean, let me, let me rephrase. Like, are, are you a collector of memorabilia like this type of thing? Like autographs and like, you know, kind of, if the yeah. price is right, I, I guess, I mean, one of my favorite things ever is when I went to the Hard Rock Casino in Las Vegas. And I, one of my favorite – I went there when I was a, really young. I was 18 and uh, just walking around there, looking at all the things on the walls. Like they have this great – I don't know if it's real. I don't, I don't know the deal with all this stuff, but I'm, I'm assuming it is. Um, they have this framed, you know, like kind of solidified thing on the wall. And it's Johnny Cash's boots, his hat. And the actual piece of paper that he wrote the lyrics to um, Folsom Prison Blues. Okay. And it's one of the coolest things of all time. You know, and it's signed Johnny Cash on the outside. And, the, and then they have one of Jimi Hendrix's outfits right there. It, that stuff, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for that stuff. And I don't know. In this day and age right now where we don't have that many famous musicians, we don't have that many famous artists – and actors like it seems like we're all doing this kind of recall back to a, a golden age of you know 60s 70s 80s of these like idols you know what i mean like the the 27 club and all this stuff i i think that that stuff can only go higher as far as a resale value and right. as far as a nostalgia value mm -hmm. yeah I mean, like part of me is like from a museum aspect i i appreciate looking at it and being like wow that's crazy so like when you go to a place like hard rock or or planet hollywood for instance like that's like wow like that's cool even even just going to a museum and looking at actual historic paintings and things like that and, and you're like geez like that's that's crazy i don't know if i could ever own it and okay even if even if i was a man you know a millionaire and i you know spending thirty five thousand on a set list is nothing to me I still would – I feel like I – unless I was like a queen fanatic, like super fan, I don't know if I would get – like I don't know. I just don't know how I would explain this to my friends or, you know, by you know five seconds after owning it when I have buyer's remorse and being like, it's just a set list. <laughs> Things like – I don't know. It, it's just – it's it, this when, – when you talk about – I don't know if you saw – let me start over. There's a great documentary on – HBO about the art of everything or it's hmm. like the sale of everything. I can't, but it's all about the art buying industry and how stuff is valued and, and, and how the process of buying and selling art. And it's really interesting. 
it's really, really interesting about, and you mentioned it before, how value goes up and down, you know, based on certain works. And I don't know, it just when it comes to like memorabilia, I just have a different feeling towards it where I'm like, is that really worth the money that you're paying for? I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I just feel weird towards that memory. So when I hear like baseball cards selling for stuff, when I hear like an actual bat or a ball or something like that, like that I can understand because it's a singular achievement. But you know, when, when you're taking like a Kleenex that John F. Kennedy used and that's, it's like, that's all. Oh, I got you. Like when it's like, something like that. Yeah. I like, get it. Just, I like, get it just seems a little ridiculous to me, you know, like even that, even the fact that this is, you know, people would even pay money for it. Well, it kind of seems, it sounds sleazy at that point too. Right. Yeah. I don't know. And so like, I mean, yeah, John Lennon's piano, I think he's probably a legitimate, like that's a, that like, that's an incredible, you know, piece. Um, probably deserves to be in a museum but yeah no a set list from queen kind of feels like that that tissue <laughs> um i'm sorry you you really sound like indiana jones when you say it deserves to be in a museum i kept saying that <laughs> that's the next that's my mission i'm gonna go to ursa's house and be like it deserves to be in a museum <laughs> oh man <laughs> sorry oh. i was totally distracted you just kept well, now, saying it <laughs> and i just kept thought of that that scene on the boat in last crusade that's all i can and think you know, of. if you if you if you folks know what i look like i can play multiple roles in the oh <laughs> of course it's dr jones oh <laughs> <So, laughs> uh, all right now i'm thinking about Indiana jones I gotta... <laughs> no, okay all right let's let's there move on let's move let's on, move on. Get... what else you got what all right uh got? this is my number four yep all right so uh I just want to talk about because we don't talk about uh, one of my favorite topics in the world are just weird cult and low budget horror movies and um, Full Moon Studios. Chris, are you familiar with Full Moon? I don't think so. Uh, they're they're the creators of the Puppet Master series. Oh, from okay. The late eighties yep. and subspecies, yep. and they do all those mm-hmm. movies. Um, gotcha. So. This is off of bloodydisgusting.com, and these are 10 upcoming new horror movies from Full Moon. Um, and I'm not going to read them all, but there's um, there's Necropolis Legion. There's Sorority Babes and Slimeball Bolorama Part 2. I've been waiting for that one for a long time. Subspecies <laughs> – I'm not joking, actually. Subspecies <laughs> – and which is fr- which is weird because that's a crossover because that was a trauma movie. Um, I believe so. Someone can Google that on me. Uh, Subspecies 5, Blood Rise, Blade, The Iron Cross, and Femme Alien, Cosmic Crush. That's a long sequel. And then The Grim Rapper, just a great title. Uh, <laughs> that sounds fabulous. <laughs> the so, Grim Rapper. <laughs> that, that just sounds like a win. Uh, Chris, you know, I just wanted to list those because – Get excited for low-budget horror movies. Maybe this is the golden age of, you know, cinema. But, you know, from the golden age of, you know, the 20s, we got these kind of low-budget film noir movies. And maybe these are kind of the uh, subset of these movies of uh, a a lot of movies casting a ton of people. (laughs) So get ready. Get ready for a bunch of, like, offshoots direct to the internet. I think instead of direct to Netflix, direct to DVD, now we have direct to the internet. And I hope that these are going direct to YouTube. That'd be fabulous. You know, I got to be honest with you. Like, I, a part of me really does appreciate, like, B horror films. And, you know, in this, um, this era of, I guess, like, you know, in order to be, like, a good horror film, it has to be legitimate or creepy and, and stuff like that. Like, there's nothing wrong with a silly, you know, crazy horror film. And, um, 
I, I appreciate these <laughs> these titles. Will I will I go out and see them? Um, I, you know, I, I don't think I'll be running. I'm not going to be there day one, so to speak. I don't know if you saw the Grim Rapper title card came up, <laughs> you might be in. <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know. I it's it's I I, I definitely I, I it's an art form. Um, it definitely is, and I love I love the following that it has. I just saw another one like a, a poster, I think, but I, I I don't know what the pun title was, but it was something pasture, and it was about this like horror like evil guy who happened to be a pastor of a church and i was just like <laughs> good lord <laughs> like, wow we're really going for it here but no I, I i love i love this stuff and you know it's it's one of those things like i i you know as growing up i had you know fangoria I read that all the time mm-hmm. and you just read these titles and be like oh my god like what is that about and um i just i just love that so yeah, I mean, I'm on board with all that stuff. Yeah, so as long as I can access it, I'm with you. Yeah, you know what? Like, my favorite thing is, you know, when I was a kid, I was a giant horror movie fan, like Fangoria, all the time. And I've been listening to uh, Chris. I don't know if you know the podcast Unspooled. Do you know that podcast? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, I listened to their episode on Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, actually, and. You know, it just brought me back to this time where I knew about Peter Jackson way before Fellowship of the Ring and how excited I was. And no one knew who the director mm-hmm. of Dead Alive and Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles was. Oh, Bad Taste. Oh, and just so fabulous. And you hear about his commitment to film and everything. And then for him to get the, you know, tap on the shoulder to direct like this three-part crazy new line cinema ultra blockbuster trilogy – I was just in my glory back in 2000. I was just going nuts. And it brought me back to this time. And they 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 mentioned why Fellowship of the Ring works so well. And it's because of all the horror elements inside of it. You know what I mean? All of the mm, tilted mm-hmm. camera, all of the, the little scares, the ring wraiths looking so scary. And all of those elements that Peter Jackson knew how to do because of his roots in horror movies. And it's almost like, uh, when you watch a movie like E.T., you know, Spielberg turns up the horror, you know, uses all of those things that he learns from, you know, Jaws. You know what I mean? There's some scary scenes for kids in that movie before E.T. is oh, definitely. found out. You know what I mean? Like when the kid is scared and running around with a flashlight, there's some legit scares in that. I think I showed the kid that and it was it's a little creepy movie. You know what I mean? I had to say, like, it's OK. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when when you hear about how some of your favorite directors and their roots, I mean, most famously like Sam Raimi's roots being in evil dead. And he goes on to direct Spider-Man and you could see the direct correlation of that. I'm so glad that we're still making these low budget horror movies. So these directors, you know, sink their teeth into this genre and then potentially maybe grow to a big budget or onto another genre. Yeah, And you know, it, it goes to show you like someone that we've talked about a ton is, um, you know, Jordan Peele. And how mm-hmm. he has elevated that genre to another level and movies like Hereditary and Mandy and taking it to another level. I, I hope we just keep going with these kind of movies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and James Gunn's another one. So like, yeah, you know, exactly. Oh, I mean, keep it going. I mean, I think anything, again, we talk about jobs. I mean, I think this is like the, the, the overall theme of this podcast this week is just like the, the more opportunities, the better to create these things. And yeah, I mean, if this kicks off, uh, uh, you know, the next genius or or our tour, you know, that, that's going to change filmmaking, 
forever, you yeah. know, I'm fine with it. Let's go. And um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just digging the possibilities. I really am. So love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, what do you got next? Sir? All right. Um, all right. So I, I'm going to give you a choice. Uh, Cause I got three final stories. And I, I had the toughest time doing it. Do you want an uplifting one? Do you want a somewhat depressing one or do you want just kind of generic theater one? Oh, uh, you know what? You haven't hit this with a lot of theater. Why don't you do theater? All right. So this past week, um, a brand new musical just came out called Hades Town on Broadway. And Hades Town is basically a take on, gosh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but Eurydice? Eurydice. I think that's how the classic story, Eurydice. It's kind of a different take. And it's uh, infused with folk music by Aeneas, uh, Aeneas Mitchell, I believe her, her name is. Have you... Do you know that that folk artist by any chance? No, 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 no. Okay, yeah. So she's somewhat kind of new on the scene. I think she's been around for you know less than five years. But um, basically, it started as a concept album, and she had a couple like guests on it, like Ani DeFranco was on it, and a couple other people. Okay, and and then they said, oh, you know what? This actually might be a good musical. Let's actually turn it into a musical. And so, literally, like within you know the past couple of years, they made it to a musical. It's gotten a lot of buzz, and now it's basically the front runner for Tony Award season. And wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a quite a story. Yeah, that's crazy. Quite very cool. And this is, you know, what's kind of kicking off a new thing for Broadway where we're now starting to see, you know, it used to be like musicals based on movies and it used to be musicals based on television shows or, you know, biopic musicals like The Share Show and things like that. But now we're starting to see musicals that are just like their albums that were turned into musicals. So like American Idiot by Green Day, that was made into a musical. You've got Hades Town. You know, next year uh, Alanis Morissette's bringing Jagged Little Pill to right. Broadway, and this is becoming kind of a thing. So I wanted to ask you, like, have you ever listened to an album or recently that you can think of off the top of your head that you're like, man, that would actually be kind of a cool thing to see on stage and stuff like that? Or who, what artists would you like to see have their work, you know, brought to the stage? Well, it would definitely have to be an artist where their songs tell a story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like where it's in a story form where, you know, start to finish, here's the story, here's the beginning, here's the end. And it's, you know, a tale of a, of someone or a character. I mean, the first one that comes to mind, which is obvious, which is Johnny Cash. Yeah. Which would be so easy. You know, of course, the Cash family, I don't know how they would feel about it or, you know, how they would get the rights to something like this. But well, we already got such... One. We, okay. we technically got one. It was called Ring of Fire, but it was like a dance show. It wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like a true musical musical, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I could see a true musical, like a, a straight yeah. up and taking the themes of his writing, you know, set it in mm-hmm. a prison and just do it. You know what I mean? I, I could see something like that. And then, of course, one of my favorite artists of the last couple of years is the Handsome Family. And I love those guys so much. And they're very mm. cash-ish and folkish and you know i think brought upon this kind of americana kind of revival that we have nowadays with lyric heavy bands that that are just phenomenal that have like you know uh fiddles and accordions in the band that kind of america i call it americana you know what i mean like the raccoon tears right. and um yeah you know, music like that. I'm going to see. Actually, it's funny you brought this up. I'm going to see the Felice Brothers. Are you familiar with those guys? 
I've heard of them. I yeah. I don't know them too well though. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're great little band and just very traditional kind of American music and the guy's lyrics. I, I would say that they're folksy, but with that kind of Southern bluegrass feel to it, but lyrics like the violent femmes, <laughs> almost like a little <laughs> Dylan, a little violent Ooh, femmes in there. Okay. Yeah. Right up my wheelhouse. And just, just, a, yeah, great. They have a great song. Um, uh, whiskey in my whiskey. <laughs> I poured whiskey in my whiskey. I believe that's the name I of the song. It. It's great. Great little like band that is just awesome. We're going to see them Sunday in Syracuse. So I can't wait. Awesome. So those would be my picks. Yeah. Those are awesome picks. And I think for me, I think with, when, when you're looking at albums and bringing like just pure albums and trying to create a storyline within the album and bringing that to Broadway, that's a challenge. I mean, it, it's tough, right. but with the right artist, with the right music, it can really, really work. So, you know, I immediately go and start thinking about like Tori Amos and some like, um, like her catalog and some of the albums that she's released, like would make amazing musicals. You know, I've been arguing for years that My Chemical Romance's The Black Parade should be its own musical. Like that okay. would be All right. tremendous, tremendous on that end. Um, and where was I going to say? Oh yeah, no, it's just, it's just, you know, it's gotta be interesting, but the one form i guess you could say that i'm really desperately hoping that we see a lot of this development in um is hip-hop and 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 rap oh you just read my mind i'm looking at my records right now you just read my mind they tried it like a couple years ago we had this musical called holla if you hear me which is all based on tupac's um music it was just like all of it was tupac songs um but it was all songs from different eras songs from different albums it wasn't like a cohesive thing and it just it kind of failed miserably but man like i just started thinking about like you know, what if we had like a, a tribe called Quest musical, or if we had a Beastie Boys musical? Um, I mean, like mm -hmm. I I would lose my mind um, at those places because you know you wouldn't you couldn't tell from looking at me, but I'm a huge huge hip hop fan, you know, and um, all that stuff would be just absolutely incredible. So I do hope that, and and sadly, you know, when we look at a musical like Hamilton, which is basically almost all hip hop. You know, a lot of older audiences, a lot of, um, I guess you could say, I don't want to, I don't want to really use the word conservative, but traditionalists, if you will, in musical theater, uh, were really turned off by Hamilton because it has these hip hop infused songs, and I'm like, they kind of forget that that's music too. So it's like I want hip hop to come to Broadway, but at the same time, I don't because I know that these stupid asshole traditionalists are just going <laughs> to roast it because it's like, Ooh, it's hip hop. It's not real music. It's like, fuck you, man. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. You do it. It's like, you do it. If you don't think it's music, you get up there and do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Then you try to do that shit. Yeah. That was my thought. Like on, after seeing Hamilton, I was like, <laughs> my God, <laughs> I could never think about doing something like that. That was just insane. Insane. And I think there's so much, I think you're, you're right, Chris. And there's so much content out there as far as rap and hip hop, that is not, it's gone untapped. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, Jizz of the Genius's album right here on record. And just the stories that they tell inside that album are just so jam packed full of characters and stories and everything that is just, it's just sitting there. Exactly. Because a lot of that stuff there, I mean, it, they're telling stories within their, their songs and, you know, I mean, Kendrick Lamar, he's telling stories throughout all of those tracks like Nas I mean it's it's ridiculous the Wu-Tang Clan I mean they, they just give themselves to a stage show so yeah knock knock on wood oh yeah and like and when you hear when you hear Kendrick Lamar like his uh the the good kid Mad City 
uh, LP and how it it's from his perspective as a 15 year old. So like the album was made and he was probably late twenties, but he's going into character when he's a 15 year old that, and it's not really true, but he, he himself is actually making a character and almost making it into sort of a screenplay slash creative Crazy. writing piece. So when you hear things like that, there that's content that you could use for a musical or some sort of adaption into a movie or something like that. Totally. Totally. Well, here's hoping it happens. Um, yeah. All right, sir. What, what do you got for your number five? Number five um, is a great article from Roger Ebert headlines, um, which I still read. And it's about the actor, John Cazale, um, which um, he is AKA Fredo from the Godfather and who um, his track record as a actor is crazy. He was in the Godfather, the conversation, the Godfather part two, dog day afternoon and the deer hunter. And then he tragically died. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a run. What a I know. Run. I know. And there's a short film out there um, by uh, Richard Shepard, who directed um, the Matador and he directed um, ugly, ugly Betty. And he directed um, this movie called I, I knew it was you rediscovering John Cazale. And it's a great little film. And it's a yep. great article about this man who, when you talk about character actors, you know, these great little side pieces, you know, he almost, he embodied that character actor, someone that isn't a leading man, someone mm -hmm. that shouldn't be a leading man. That's someone that is the second in dog day afternoon or someone that is the Fredo. And he, every line that he portrayed on the screen is just perfect to a T and you wouldn't recast that for yeah. anything. And mm -hmm. there's so many movies and it's so tragic that he died because there's so many movies that you would cast him in, in the Buscemi role. You know what I mean? In the, <laughs> yep. in that role so much. And it, when you're an actor starting out and you see all these like good looking guys, you know, taking the lead role, it, it gets discouraging. It's almost like when you're playing basketball and you see all these guys hitting three pointers. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I guess that's what basketball is. And I can't hit a three-pointer. But you don't realize every basketball team needs a big man. Every basketball team needs a forward. And every stage play needs a bad guy, a villain, and a character actor. Yeah, uh, You know what I mean? A, a second lead. And he was fantastic at this. And it's a great article, great film. Go check it out. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that film. And um, the thing with John Cazale is that what I respected about him so much, and I think they, they touch on this in the documentary too, is is how he acts with his entire body. And when you're watching The Godfather, especially in Godfather Part Two, um, the way he changes his posture, like mid-scene, mid-dialogue, it just changes your entire the entire atmosphere of that that scene, that sequence. And um, like even though I love him as Fredo. I mean, his performance in Dog Day Afternoon is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and then the conversation, he's amazing in that movie. So it's like, it's, it is such a shame that he passed away because it's like, oh my God. Like, first of all, the dude should be, you know, multi Academy Award winner. Like, who knows what his career would have been. But at the same time, we've got this like collection of films. Like, 
And like the sick thing is like, I think four of his credits are considered like some of the best movies of, of all of time. All, of all time. I mean, yeah, of all time. Of only of all time, right? And I, I mean, one could argue that, you know, he's one of the big reasons why. And it, it, he's just, he was an incredible actor. And actually, I, 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 it's such a shame this wasn't captured on film. But if you look up just pictures of him, he in Central Park, and he did a Shakespeare performance in Central Park. He did King Lear with uh, Meryl Streep, which is where they met and fell in love. And there's a, wow. some great pictures of the performance, and you're, and, and that got me that that got me amped and also really sad because I was like, holy crap! Like, what would that have looked like? If I could only have been there to see him play King Lear, I mean, incredible. And the fact that he lived with Al Pacino and they were roommates, I mean, to be on a fly on that wall in that apartment. And, you know, it's just he he he's one of those guys, if this makes sense, who kind of he got it. He got it. He understood. Yeah. And he understood what what is. Yeah. Like what, you know, it, it's it, it calls into question, you know, he's in these movies with Pacino and De Niro. And it's kind of it kind of calls into question: Would Jordan be as good without Scottie Pippen? Ooh, yeah, honestly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you watch, if you, I mean, Dog Day Afternoon, watch that movie. Take Casal out of that movie; it's not the same movie. It's not the same movie. And think of De Niro and Pacino. I mean, think of Pacino post John Casale. Oh yeah. Are we talking about? I mean, I love the Devil's Advocate, <laughs> like the next guy, <laughs> right? But will be will they be talking about that in fifty years? At like The Godfather and Dog Day Afternoon? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that there's something to be said about watching. I I, I mean, you and I are both actors, so we kind of we see it when we're watching certain scenes with, on certain shows and movies. But like, there's something about watching two great talents. In a scene together, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about a big ensemble piece where it's three or four people, you know, right. going, like a Glenn Gary Glenn Ross situation where you got like of four course you, you just read my mind, yep, yeah, like, but in that, in the, I'll just use Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, like some of the best sequences in that movie are just when two guys throwing fastballs at one another and using all their talents to go back and forth and and for the betterment of the scene, and that. That as an actor myself, we recognize that, and that is something that is very special to watch on screen. It, and it doesn't it doesn't happen every day, folks. It really doesn't. Um, but it, it, it but when it does, it's incredible. Like it just yeah, you just can't you can't help it. And Casal, I think when you watch a lot of his scenes with Pacino and with De Niro and with Walken and you know all these guys, he is he is a true co star in every sense of the word. Like he is giving them everything he can, you know, to work with. And and you could tell he's, you know, and he really took to heart. I mean, of course you're speculating, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Cause he's not here with us, but he really took to heart everything that I teach in acting class that acting is 90% listening and the way he listens <laughs> inspires you. Yeah. When he's in the background watching someone, you're captivated. You can't help but watch his face, watch someone. And I can't tell you another actor that would be better at that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which uh, that's insanity. And and I don't know if it's the way that movies are shot now that they're not shot like this anymore, where you actually have someone's face watching someone and just the way they edit. But 
maybe it's because he was just giving the director so much. He was giving Francis Ford Coppola so much while he was watching Pacino. It's hard to say these things, but his performance adds to other performances that, and no other, like it, like no other. You know, and his career is, you know, he died in 78. And I'm just looking this up now. You know, he died in 78. So it makes me wonder, you know, if had he been around, like, let's say, you know, in a, in a perfect alternate universe, um, he did not pass away. I just, I start thinking about like, what, what other, oh. you know, jobs he would have gotten? Like, would we, would he have gotten Rain Man, for instance? He, he would have gotten, um, he easily, he, and this is a shame because we wouldn't have, um, Joe Pesci, but he would have got Pesci's part in Raging Bull. Oh, a hundred percent, yes, a thousand percent. I could see him playing that part, and you know, hit me in the face, Joey. I'm not gonna hit you in the face. I could see him playing that part. I I couldn't watch it. Yeah, in my head. <laughs> like, I mean, he would have got all the Pesci parts. He, he would have got would've. all the Pesci parts. I think he would have taken a lot from Dustin Hoffman. I mean, as much as I love Dustin Hoffman and Kramer versus Kramer, can you imagine that with John Cazale? Hmm. Like, like all the silent parts of that movie. Oh he my would, god! Oh my god! Like, ridiculous. or even, or even Marathon Man. Oh. I can see him in that too. Yes. <laughs> oh, what did he die of cancer? Fuck you, cancer. <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. Like even, even like you know, uh, gosh, I mean, Pesci stuff. You're a hundred percent right. Maybe even some of the, like the later Jack Nicholson stuff, like of the seventy and eight. Oh god, like that kills me, man. Kills me. Can you imagine John John Cassell in The Shining? <laughs> I just I was just about to say that. Could you imagine that? I I don't know how I would handle that. Him going crazy like that. I I, I that makes me uncomfortable just thinking about it. Hey, Chris. Yeah. In this day and age, Ooh. we get we get a voice actor. Get a voice actor. We get some anti aging. Oh man. I just saw the Shining sequence in uh uh sorry uh uh player next or whatever. Ready Player One. Oh yeah, that's right. What, yeah, why don't we just throw John Casale in there and uh, here we go? Right. <laughs> if we can do that with CGI characters, let's just do that. Just re-edit John Casale. Yeah, oh Spielberg, Scorsese, get on that. You get know, honest. a fun weekend. You know what I mean? You don't put some black on the windows and just roll it. You know oh what I mean? My God. Like I'm, I'm just looking. I'm just. I, and this is. I'm just now. I'm just like indulging myself at this point but like i'm reading like some of like the best picture nominees and winners from like 80 to 89 and i'm like john cazale as um solieri and amadeus like i'm in uh yep like um john cazale in the kiss of the spider woman instead of william hurt i'm in (laughs) right (laughs) john cazale somehow making his way into platoon sure or oh oh my god the mission what if he was in the mission Oh, I gotta unbelievable. St- I got to stop this. I'm getting depressed. I'm getting depressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to give you the depressing one. Not, not. You. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That was, yeah. Now you're going to the alternate, uh, like timeline, like the movie, the Watchmen or the yeah. comic book, the Watchmen. <laughs> it's like somewhere, somewhere. Oh my gosh. He would have had all Malkovich's roles in the eighties, like dangerous liaisons with John Cazale. Like, Oh, oh my God. That'd be crazy. I'm done. I'm done. I can't handle this. Uh, <laughs> needless to say, John Cazale missed terribly. I don't think this generation truly understands what what is myth, like what was lost. Um, 
No, and 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 in this generation of Marvel comic book movies, I don't know where these people stand yeah. at all. I, I mean, mean oh, wow, it's crazy. I mean, let me ask you this: it's hard to think about right now off the top of your head, but has has there ever been a run like that in recent film history, like today in the past thirty years? I can't think of one where it's just like a flawless run, and they haven't. They haven't missed, like yeah, like and I'm talking like six straight movies, like like like, and and three of them are the best films of the of the century. Like it's like I can't think of oh. anybody who's thrown like like that, that. I can't think of I can't think of someone like that because no. you know I like I, I like Tom Hardy like the next man. You know what I mean? Right. But there's a couple misses here and there. You know, he was in that twin movie, which was interesting. He, you know, but you're talking about some of the greatest movies of all time right. that that guy's in. And I mean, you know, I, I like I like Ryan Gosling's career that right. we're watching right now. Right. I like the interesting choices he's making. I like you know, Place Beyond the Pines and little movies like that that he's in. Are they? They're not the Deer Hunter. <laughs> His nope. performance is great. Right. But are you kidding me? Like, it, it's hard to compete with that run. And I think it's because of that time in cinema where Hollywood was kind of disassembling the the Hollywood kind of cast system. And now they were like looking towards these kind of New York and USC filmmakers like, Hey, these are the guys that should make our movies. And it was right place, right time. And also right place and right time for that type of actor. It's, it's very close. I mean, you could point to a Steve Buscemi on a run from reservoir dogs to Fargo to the big Lebowski. You could point to that, right. but there's a lot of interesting movies that he made in that run. I mean, he made Trees Lounge in that run. He made a lot of little interesting movies, but not to the level. I mean, I think those movies are great, and I revere those movies, but not everyone like Dog Day Afternoon and Godfather 2. I mean, it's it's hard to beat those things. Right. I mean, and, and not to be misogynistic, but I'm even, I'm even thinking about actresses. And, you know, have any actresses even approached – a run like that and and i can't i honestly can't think of any so it's just it's it's crazy and and maybe that's that and maybe that is hollywood not having parts for them either right 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 but when you think about like the 70s when when kazal was doing all this stuff and you didn't have you know the 21st century pr you know movie studio machine that we have today like he was just picking scripts Right, like, he was just like, all right, I'll, I'll or he auditioned for it, and <laughs> yeah, right, he probably auditioned for all these parts. Like, all right, I'll go audition for Dog Day Afternoon, and you know, turn in one of the best performances of the decade. Like, it's just, uh, I, I can't. It's just crazy, and and now I'm going to go back and watch like all of his films. I don't know if that's a wig, it. but his hair should have won an Academy Award in Dog Day Afternoon. Oh my god. <laughs> I think I think Pacino talks about that about how he actually like grew his hair out for no reason. Just to, just to do it's so it. perfect. <laughs> Sorry, I, did I bring I mean, the downer I, down? I, I brought the hammer down. The down it's downer down. The hammer down. I mean, I get, I get it. I mean, Casal is like if we ranked our favorite. I've I've talked about this with other friends of mine and, and actor friends of mine about like how good this guy was and how people just don't understand like how what he did on screen with his everything about him, like, and just, and how the tragedy that, that he's not around. So yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. So folks, if you're, 
Well, we just talk about, you know, in, uh, in um, my job, I'm, I'm teaching theater therapy again, and we were talking about the it factor. What is an it factor? And some performers, some actors have this it factor where they're not the best looking person. You know, they don't have to, you know, of course, it's easy if you're the best looking person and you're playing mm-hmm. the lead in blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're John Travolta in Greece or you're, you know, uh, and, and a good looking guy that's in a leading role. But what is it about these, some people, you cannot take their eye, your eyes off them when they're on screen. I point to listening. If you're doing your job as an actor and you're totally in the moment, you're totally mindful and you're looking towards towards someone else's performance and adding to it, it means that you are that person in that moment mm-hmm. and you can't take their eyes off it. You you hit that it factor. That's what we're striving for is that it factor. Yeah. Yeah. Where when when the camera when you hit action, there's something about that the the audience's eyes attract to that person. And it's not in an upstagey kind of look at me clown way. It's in a I am there right now. And that's what mm-hmm. he brought to the film. I mean, that's what he brought to the screen in every performance. Yeah. Totally. You know what I just, and just to leave you with two final thoughts about the what ifs. Mm-hmm. What if, what if we had John Cazale as Hannibal Lecter? Oh my God. At that point in his time, he probably would be 50 something. Oh my God. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Yep. How about John, Caz- and how about John Cazale and the elephant man? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, as John Hurt or Anthony or, Hopkins or, Anthony or both. Fuck yeah. it. Just cast them as both. Cast them as both. You know, what's also depressing is that that Quentin Tarantino never, never got to work with them. Like, can you imagine those two together? Like John Cazale and Quentin Tarantino together? Like what John Cazale is Mr. Pink. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. John Cazale is Buddy the Waiter. <laughs> I got to stop. Hi, I'm Buddy. I'll be your waiter tonight. <laughs> And I, I would I would lose my mind. I would be pulling my hair out, losing my mind, seeing that. So, oh my gosh, John Cazale, you're missed, folks who have never who have no idea who we're talking about. Shame on you, number one. Shame and on you. Shame. Ding, it's ding, Fredo. Shame. Just go Fredo. watch The Godfather. Just, just watch, watch, watch him on the screen. Like, yeah, like, seriously. If you don't know who we're talking about, just watch The Godfather. Then you haven't seen The Godfather. I'm sorry. Watch, watch The Godfather and look for the most charismatic, captivating person on screen, and that's John Cazale. So, there you or go. Jimmy Con. Hitting someone with a garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. Oh yeah. my gosh. We could do a whole episode on the Godfather. So, um, oh my gosh. Love it. All right. So I'm going to give you my number five. I'm going to give you my uplifting right. one because we just had a depressing one. So I don't want to okay. <laughs> Good. hit you two with twice with a depressing one. Um, so we talked last week about the Star Wars trailer, you know, coming out and yep. how like how I was – got i was moved and then immediately got pissed and how everybody was like oh my god this is incredible stuff like that. i've been thinking about your you take saw... i've been thinking about your take uh the dennis leary take like how they brought me back in i love <laughs> they that brought me back in they, they sucked me back in um and i've been watching it nonstop all week and i still have that same feeling by the way but um there was a story this week i don't know if you saw this there's a guy um uh, he's just like, kind of like a generic like he he like d- does a lot of nerd culture and stuff like that, but he does like these reaction videos where he, he watches the you know, movie trailer for the first time and, and you see his genuine reaction. Well, he's, he's a star Wars super fan and, and, and calling him a super fan might even be calling it, you know, putting it lightly, but um, he's, he's watching this trailer and as he's watching it, like you can see 
the tears well up in his eyes and he is having like a genuine emotional reaction to everything that's happening in this trailer. And he's like, Oh my God, look at that. And it, it just, it, you can see the tears streaming down his face and he's just having like an absolutely emotional um, reaction to all of this. And it, for me watching that, that's like a joy to see. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, that's awesome. Like that's the thing. It's great that someone's, having that much of a genuine reaction to this trailer, but he got, he got bullied unmercifully by, you know, trolls and stuff like that. So much so that like Mark Hamill came out and like defended the guy and stuff like that. But I got really pissed off with that because first of all, can't we just let people like enjoy things anymore? Like without being like, Oh, you reacted to that that way. You nerd or like, Oh gosh, like this guy must suck at life and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, like he's reacting to a trailer that he's really excited about plus i mean we all react different in different ways and and to things and things like that and we don't know what those reactions the reasons for those are are behind those reactions so like i don't know that it just it got it really bothered me that for 10 seconds we could enjoy this guy's you know reaction to the trailer before the internet kind of got to him but i was so glad to see that so many people are coming out and saying like no like this guy's awesome. Like this is the type of person that we want to be sitting next to watching Star Wars because you're going to get like amazing reactions and he loves the property so much. Um, so yeah, I just, I think it sucks that people, people like to do this shit. And at the same time, like it's awesome that like people are standing up for him. No, it, I, it's something I talk about a lot at uh, work, Chris, and how as adults, as people, as human beings, we should be able to express ourselves any way we want. And, you know, so be it if I cry at the end of A Star is Born. It's a freaking sad fucking movie at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, how dare yeah. you judge me? And that means that I'm if, – if you're sitting back and judging me about how I react to a movie, then you're less than me, not more than me. And it's something that people need to get their heads around especially when they're trying to work on their emotional being and being mindful. If you're moved so much by a piece of theater or music or movie, that means you are truly mindful. You are, are so sucked in. Your suspension of disbelief is out the window. You are there in the moment. And, you know, how dare anyone that, that takes that away from you? And you know what? And like, right. Chris, like before we started tonight, you asked me, hey, when when are you going to go see um, Avengers? And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, Friday at two. But, you know, I'll have to turn off the Internet before then because I don't want someone to crash my emotional reaction, which it's going to be emotional. Right. I'm just going to let you right. <laughs> going to prepare Rome, New York for my emotional <laughs> reaction. There's going to be some binge eating afterwards. Right. <laughs> so, you know, get the sushi place ready because, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. <laughs> so, like, you know what I mean? Do me a favor. Can you can you like film yourself walking out of the theater for our readers, <laughs> our friends, for our fans? No, just so they can see your face. No, <laughs> it'll just be a blubbering mess. <laughs> the camera will be all shaky. That would be amazing. Prices, and then I'll I'll judge you for that. But I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll judge you forever. But you know, it's funny. Like I I've always said that like you know if if you're making fun of the way that someone reacts to some of these properties and things like that. Like, what do you, how do you react to them in the theater? Are you a fucking robot and you have no emotions whatsoever when you watch this stuff? Like, 
you know, like I, there's this one guy on, on YouTube and he was like ragging on him. I'm like, wait, you call yourself a Star Wars fan and you're ragging on this other guy who's like having genuine emotions? Yeah, it's Lando Calrissian. Are you Lando. kidding me? I teared up. Are you I kidding me? I lost it when you saw Carrie Fisher for like two seconds. I was gone. I was like, oh, God, it's Carrie Fisher. Um, I, I freaking got choked up when I see the Lucasfilm logo because the only time I see that logo is when we get a Star Wars film. So that, I'm going to get excited when I see Lucasfilm come across the screen. Like – that's what fans do. So I, I don't understand these idiots that, you know, make fun of other fans and they're and loving this Star Wars property um, because it's like you guys are reacting the same way and, you know, screw you for right. judging others. So, yeah. Yeah, that that's that's a bummer. I mean, and like you said, you don't know why people are reacting. I mean, personally, it, <clears throat> Star Wars reminds me of, you know, being really little, yeah. you know what I mean? My kid's age. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, any kid that's in a movie that looks like, you know, my kid that has blonde hair and <laughs> you know, light eyes, which is every kid known to man right. that like, you know, gets like in the movie taken or something like that. I'm like, oh my God, he has to be blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, so yeah, so they just pull out the heartstrings. But like, it brings me back to that time when all I wanted to do was eat SpaghettiOs and watch Empire Strikes right. Back. Right, and so just like you, when that Lucas film logo comes up on the screen, it, my my heart swells anyway. No matter how fucking shitty Last Jedi was, <laughs> I was swollen up in the theater. It, it's just they got it's, me. It's 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 a franchise that is it's beyond a film franchise. It's a way, I think it's a way of life. It's we talk about films that transport you, and and you feel like you're in a you know you're you're in this universe that's what star wars does every single time like it's just it's incredible how they do that but you just feel like you're in this universe and you know when you hear that when you hear that john williams score and all that stuff it's like how can you not be swept up in emotion like how can you not get teared up um at any at any point so i just yeah so those people are judging you screw you guys and um you know it's funny like even I don't, you know, I'll just plug the, you know, the listening to the rewatchables last week, they did Field of Dreams and just hearing them talk about moments in that film, I got, I got choked up. So um, it's just, it's like, that's, we, you know, that's the great thing about loving things is that you get, you get moved it and, you know, to the trolls out there that you guys must just love nothing because you guys are fucking robots. So yeah, I got to yeah. say about that. All right. So. That was a good rant. That was great. Rant. All right. Let's go YouTube it. That was a great rant on everyone that picked on us in high school. That was great, Chris. Exactly. Fuck you guys. Look at me. I'm, a, I'm on a podcast now. I own a podcast uh, network. <laughs> you guys don't know how to work a computer now, man. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a winner now. So. Yeah. All right. Wait. So do, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? What are we doing? All right. I'll go first. I'll go first. All right. I got um, some shit this week. I got – this is <laughs> – yeah, I got mine's kind of light. I got, I just got one that I I loved. I I was crying laughing at. So <clears throat> there was a news story over the weekend that there was this like fight happening outside a bar, and it was this guy. <laughs> you know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, um, fight going on outside this bar. The guy like just treating a woman real bad. <laughs> I think he's like spits on her, he punches her in the face. I'm not laughing because of like the, the hitting, just so you know. Right. 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 So as this is going on, this dude across the street sees this and being the good Samaritan that he is, like runs over and starts beating the shit out of the guy. Except 
he's dressed as the Easter Bunny, like full head to toe Easter Bunny outfit. And <laughs> you see the YouTube video, he is pounding this guy, like punching him in the head as the Easter Bunny. It's it's a priceless like 30 seconds that you just have to enjoy. Um, because first of all, kudos to the guy for like standing up and like, you know, jumping into the fracas and right. defending this woman. But the fact <laughs> ah. that he's dressed as the Easter bunny doing it at the same time is just it's just genius. It's just genius. So um if you have have you seen have you seen the video? Of course. And you know, I, I you know, I, I make comments on people, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't be a bystander in your life and Put the phone down and stop filming things. But the reaction of the guy <laughs> filming everything is like, oh, man, I'm getting everything. I got all this on film, man. Like, World star. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, of all the moments in the world to catch on film, I mean, this is it. This is why we have cameras in our pockets to catch an Easter bunny kicking the shit out of someone. And the guys, the guys being – exactly. The guys being hailed as a hero and he's you know, getting his 15 minutes out of this. But like – it's it's just it's just precious, but it was funny because like his story was like, yeah, I just bought the costume. We thought it'd be funny, and hey, it's Easter, so I might as well put it on. But the thing is, that he bought the costume before Easter, like it had nothing to do with Easter whatsoever. He just was like, oh, this weekend's Easter, I should probably put the costume on. <laughs> it was like you just had a bunny costume on. <laughs> That's amazing. Your house. That's kind of cool too. <laughs> so yeah, if you if you haven't seen this video, folks, go watch just like Easter Bunny Vigilante. It's phenomenal. So that was my one pick. For, my, my one pick. You know, for it's funny because I wanted to pick that uh, to do something with it, but you picked it instead. That's great. Um, nice, nice. So I have a bunch this week. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go through them all. Um, Chris, I sent you a video. We talked about an episode one or two about the Alien 40th anniversary. All the shorts they're putting out. Yes. And uh, there's one short called Or O R E, and it is a 10 minute short film. It's exactly what we were talking about on um, this podcast about how the great concept of alien overpaid or overworked, underpaid uh, people working for a corporation and they have to face a freaking alien on their job. Um, it's clerks in hell. It's it's the greatest thing ever. Chris, did you watch the short? I was actually saving it for tomorrow morning. Oh, it's everything that we talk about. No spoilers or anything. It's it's 10 minutes long. It's a great concept. I watched it on my on my phone, and my coworker said this too. I watched it on my phone, and I jumped <laughs> watching it on like a little <laughs> three-inch screen. Like there's one part. I was like, oh, my God. I freaked out, and I was like, oh, my God. So they nailed that whole concept thing. It's great, and they, um, the, the buzz is this is one of the best ones of it. I haven't watched the rest of them, but just awesome. Kudos nice. to that. Um and that's on YouTube. That's on IGN. That's 10 minutes and 39 seconds. Also, um, there's a great video on uh, did Paul McCartney really die in 1966? It's about the controversy. It's on Vinyl Rewind. And Vinyl Rewind is his channel on YouTube where the guy, re, um, he reviews reissues of vinyl and does um, reviews of vinyl records. Um, it's a really great video. He goes through all these intricacies of the Paul is dead uh, controversy conspiracy right, right. theory. Um, Twenty one minutes. It goes through the whole thing. Awesome. Um, also, uh, Weezer featuring Tears for Fears on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. Everybody wants to rule the world. They came out with the Teal album, and it's actually Weezer with Tears for Fears performing that live. That's four minutes. And then also, there's a great 
video called um, by Rick, Rick uh, Beato. It's uh, what makes this song great. He has this great channel and he goes through all these songs and he goes through um, the chords and everything. And uh, his newest episode, episode 20 is Queens of the Stone Age. Um, Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on the song. No one knows. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and it's a great song and he goes through all the chords and why the song is great. He goes through, uh, why the music is great about it, why the lyrics are great about it and just the vocals. And he's able to, you know, bring it down like a soundboard and walk you through the whole thing. And that was my YouTube journey of the week right there. I like it. I like it. Good stuff. Lauren. Oh, and by the way, I meant to tell you, I watched that video of that. Um, I, you know, like that, I think they're called Cronbrig or Cronbing. Oh, Cron uh, Cronbin, yeah, Cronbin, insane. insane, insane, right? Like I watched the the hip hop medley, but then I watched a bunch of their other stuff as well. Um, awesome, awesome. Like I'm, hooked. yeah, and they haven't released the um, <clears throat> the Coachella 2019 video yet that I saw live. So that right. was just a, a clip that I found that I sent to you, and the the Coachella live thing that's going to be released somehow, either CD or whatever you do now, you know, like digital download and. It was great. Can't wait. Can't wait. So awesome. Awesome. Well, that's going to do it for us, folks. Ben, anything else you got for us this week? Anything you want to plug? Anything going on? Anything you want to rant about? Go. You're, the floor is yours. Um, as always, I want everyone to check out um, just YouTube. Uh, search on YouTube, Live Nude Swearing. If you just search Live Nude Swearing, you'll find all of my liked videos. And so when you're listening to this podcast, it'll all make sense to you. It's not just me talking about some crazy stuff, even though it really is. Um, that's it. I'm going to start up the band soon. Again, we have some live gigs coming up this uh, summer, some for charity, some for the betterment of central New York. That's why music is great. We should be out there just playing music and listening to music just so we can raise money and raise awareness for mental illness and all those beautiful things. And that's what's going on in the world of Ben. What about you, Chris? Honestly, like, you know, not not much is going on. I mean, I'm just kind of relaxing, trying to calm down from work. Um, but a lot of things popping. Award season's coming up, so we're going to be doing a lot of stuff on the blog. Uh, you know, for the, getting ready for the Tonys and stuff like that. So that's going to be huge. Grand new podcast coming out. Just did a podcast yesterday about the influence of Zoolander, which is um, a lot <laughs> of fun to talk about because that's one of my favorite. And actually, I, I think I saw that with you actually. Yeah, a uh, week after nine eleven, I believe. Yeah, well, it was kind of a kind of a weird week, but it, was, it felt good to laugh again. It and, really uh, did. Uh, the gasoline fight was oh my God. one of the first times I laughed after nine eleven, which was like roaring. I think it was the weekend laughter. I still remember you laughing at that, like roaring, just laughter. Um, As my friend Kirby night. said, laughing like De Niro in Cape Fear. Yeah. <laughs> in the theater. In the theater, <laughs> and actually, side story: I'm actually uh, Facebook friends and have kind of talked to him a couple of times with a guy who plays Todd in, in Zoolander. So Mugatu's assistant. Oh, Todd. At him. And, and I've told him a bunch of times, look, I mean, I hate to, to keep telling you this, but I just want to let you know how, how good you were in Zoolander uh, and how you got me through a really terrible time. Uh, but yeah, no, we definitely talk about that. In Wait, you're, you're legit 
friends with Todd? Like we're legit friends. That's with amazing. Nathan. Yeah, his name's Nathan Nathan Lee Graham. Like he's God damn, that's amazing. That's the best that's the cool thing about owning a theater blog, people. You meet people and then you're damn. like, Oh shit, you were in this movie. Oh my god. And you try not you try not to like mark out, but you you can't help it. So like it's like, yeah, Nathan, you're cool. Like I'm glad you're doing this off Broadway play, but let's talk about Zoolander for a second. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I love it. I love it. But um yeah, no, it's it's a great deep dive into um, not only that, but how it launched like the the Todd Phillips, the Judd Apatow, the you know the frat pack movies, all that stuff, and and we also talk about how the comedy scene has changed a little bit. So it's a good podcast. Definitely give it a, a listen. It's called the Ripple Effect, and it's and like I said, we're talking about uh, Zoolander and whatnot. So um, and of course, you can see all these podcasts on the Onstage Blog Network at onstageblog.com, which of course can also be listened to on not only Podbean but also iTunes and Spotify. Um, and if you like this podcast, please like give us, rate us on iTunes, rate us on, on Spotify, give us, you know, five stars preferably and things like that. Cause it helps our algorithms and definitely gets us out there a lot more as well. But, um, yeah. And always search, um, on stage on, yes. uh, Spotify, not desperately seeking. Yep. Correct. I mean, I, I down the line, we're definitely going to probably separate channels and stuff like that, but you know, it's expensive to do that. So <laughs> kind of makes me <laughs> kind of make the money to, to be able to, to set, you know, just start, you know, eight different accounts on these things. So, uh, but that, that, that will be coming uh, down the line, but yeah, for now it's definitely search on stage blog network uh, in all these apps as well. But Ben, my man, thanks so much. Yeah, dude. Good, Good stuff. stuff yeah. No, another, another strong episode in the bank. All right, man. All right. We'll see y'all folks next week. Have a Bye, good guys. Bye guys. Thank you.